Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. Butt lifts, facelifts, liposuction, tummy tucks, nose reshaping, and perkier boobs. I could go on and on and on. Plastic surgery is on the rise. Last year, nearly 1.4 million women had cosmetic surgical procedures. And get this, over 12.4 million women had cosmetic minimally invasive procedures. Kylie Jenner, girl, I am looking at you. So celebrities like Kaylee Cuoco, Iggy Azalea, Kelly Rowland, Ariel Winter have all openly admitted to plastic surgery, not something we are necessarily seeing celebrities be so open about a few years ago. So seeing this happen so much, playing out everywhere, makes girls like me wonder, should I get my lips done? Is plastic surgery counterintuitive to body acceptance? And what about plastic surgery trends? Are lip fillers going to look crazy in five to 10 years? Are we all just going to look like we belong on an episode of Botched? I'm Elisa Benson. This is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast. And today we are breaking down plastic surgery. Joining me first over the phone is Cosmopolitan.com's sex and relationship editor, Allie Drucker. You guys know her. She's been on the podcast a million times before. And fun fact, since the last time you heard from Allie, she just got her lips done. Hi, Allie. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Don't you love that that's now a thoughtful detail people can use to introduce you? Like, here's Allie. She got her lips done. I love it. My lips and I both say hi. (laughs) (laughs) Hello to your lips. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I haven't actually seen you in person since you got them done because it was, what, a week ago now? Yeah, it was on Friday, so it's still pretty new and I'm still adjusting. But so far, so good. I kind of love them. You kind of love them. So I feel like we need to back up and clarify. Not only did you get your lips done, this was your first um, plastic surgery procedure, right? That is correct. That is correct. And so not only did you get this done, but you actually got it done live in front of millions of Cosmo viewers via Facebook Live. I did. I figured that was the only way I would ever do it because I'm such a baby with needles. They like make me really nervous. I thought like I'm never going to get this done unless I have like an audience holding me accountable. Otherwise, I will chicken out. So yeah, I did it on Facebook Live. We broadcast the entire procedure with like lidocaine needles numbing me like in my face. And it was definitely an adventure. I could barely watch it because it was (laughs) actually, I kind of, there's something about lip injunctions. Like you understand it's an injection and a needle but you almost think it will be a little like pretty like I was kind of imagining like a like a dry bar you know like a beautiful salon and like girliness and like you holding a champagne flute but it was very (laughs) medical feeling and I couldn't watch yeah I mean like no matter how nice the office is it's like still kind of scary to like get get work done especially when people can see and I think like the only pretty part of it is like the outcome a couple days later. Right. So I want to ask you about that. But first, walk us through the basics, because I feel like 
I think it's fair to say that probably everyone listening to this podcast has at least considered the idea of getting their lips filled because it's become so popular. Total Kylie Jenner effect. So how long did it take once they actually started from start to finish? Sure. The whole thing was about 30 minutes, and that was, like, with my panicked questions back and forth and with, like, the numbing and, like, with the actual injection itself, which was Juvederm. So you sit down, you know, you want to talk to your doctor and make sure you have a good understanding from both angles, like, what you're looking for. You know, I went to Dr. Leota, um, and she was wonderful. She, like, basically said, we're not going to try to, like, make you look like Angelina Jolie. Like, we're not going to give you somebody else's lips. We're just going to, like, turn up the volume on the ones you have, which is great. You know, I got just one syringe worth of Juvederm, so it really wasn't that much filler. It's about, like, the fifth of a teaspoon, so small when you think about it. And was that her recommendation to you, or did you go into this having any idea, having any inspiration? I definitely wanted to look natural. Like, the first thing I said was, like, I don't want to look like Kylie Jenner. It's just too much for me. Right. I can't quite handle that much uh, volume. Right. You are not keeping up with the Kardashians. For sure. So it was definitely a collaboration where we decided, like, what would look good for my face. Okay. So um, it was about, you lost me with the medical stuff, about a fifth of some magical liquid. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise known as Juvederm. Right. Magical lip filling liquid. Okay. And once you get numbed up, which is honestly the most painful part, we did a few shots of lidocaine in uh, my lips. um, And what did it feel like on a scale of like one to period cramps um it's worse than period cramps what more concentrated pain but it's over a lot quicker okay period cramps are like achy forever this just is like oh there's a needle in my face and this stinks um i don't know why i'm acting like i don't know what a shot feels like it feels like a shot (laughs) well i mean it's really rare that we're getting shots in our face right you know like you're used to it like in a strong muscle like your arm or your butt if you have to and like that's kind of our basis of comparison for where needles go or like your ears which is over pretty quick but your face is more sensitive and the skin is a little bit thinner so it is more of a foreign experience and it was definitely painful but you know i've gotten a tattoo before i'm not i like I, w- I handled it with just minimal whining, as you can see if you watch the video. And then do you did you immediately feel sort of like numb around the mouth? Like, did you feel like slobbery, like when you get your wisdom teeth taken out? So this is the worst part. I didn't feel numb right away. So they had to give me more shots because <gasps> they were just like, they'd rather have you be more numb than less numb, which like I can get behind that. Trust me. Right. Numb me the F up. Right. And <laughs> while you're sitting there basically being like, I can still feel it. Numb me the F up. Was there a part of your brain that was like, eject, eject, like, I, I get the hell out of here. Definitely. I, like, stopped and paused the recording once or twice, as you can see, because I just, like, needed a little break. It was a little overwhelming. But, yeah, once um, once I was numb, everything was okay. Right. Um, okay, so, so, so I've paused you a million times. So, finally, they actually start the procedure. And so yeah. then, like, it's sort of like she pumps the whatever (laughs) into like one side and then the other side and then the bottom yeah and she kind of like molds your lips a little bit as you go (gasps) like like play-doh yeah pretty much okay and then is it instant like one thing that i noticed and i did actually like zoom ahead to the end of the broadcast after (laughs) the live video was you know finished to see the final effect and I definitely you know I know you and I see you all the time so I could definitely tell right away but I think a lot of commenters were saying like 
she doesn't look any different. Yeah. Is the effect immediate or does it sort of like um, plump up over time? You know, I've been taking pictures of myself nonstop. And <laughs> as you do, of course, as one does. And the photos I took the day of right after are like nowhere near the way I looked the next day and even today. And you do swell up more the next day and the initial swelling starts to go down after 48 hours and you're like totally normal in like two weeks like your results will be settled by then but I definitely see them like now a few days out plumper than they were like immediately after okay and so you said you're loving it I'm loving it yeah I mean I don't know if it's something I want to do forever but this is definitely fun to try. It's kind of like, like getting your hair dyed in a way, which is like how accessible these procedures have become. It's still expensive. You know, if you were to do this, one syringe is about $850, I think. But it's, you know, it's... And how you know, long does it last? Six to nine months, which is, it's pricey. But like, when you think that's like almost a year, right? it starts to, like, you can start to understand why some people are committing to this kind of, like, minimally invasive procedure because it's not forever. It does wear off, and it's, like, that's a decent amount of time. And do you just feel like a total, like, sex goddess? It's insane. I mean, sex goddess might have been a little bit of, you know, an over-exaggeration right now because I was, like, too sore to kiss my boyfriend this weekend. Right. So I'm hoping sex goddess will come in time. But I do love it. It's just, like, fun to play around. It's, like, the equivalent of, like, getting a crazy haircut or dyeing your hair. Right. Or trying something else that's, like, drastic but, you know, not permanent. And do you find yourself, you already said you've basically, like can hardly focus on your day-to-day life because you're so busy taking selfies. Do you find yourself like staring at yourself in like the reflection of store windows as you walk in your commute to Cosmo every day? Oh my God, yes. (laughs) Who is that girl? Look at her lips. Damn. (laughs) So this is, would you say this is the hottest you've ever felt in your life? Definitely. I love that. top of the world. (laughs) And what is your boyfriend's reaction to all of this? At first he's like, I don't know if I see that much of a difference, which is like, that almost was reassuring from someone who like knows me so well. Right. Because like, I don't want to look like not me. I just want to look like a little bit sexier version right. of me. So he's like, whatever makes you happy. Like to me, it's not all that drastic. Right. But he's enjoying it. And what does like your mom think? Um, can I tell you something? Yes. Immediately after I like sent her a picture and told her, she's like, oh, I do mine too. And I like never felt closer to her. No way. And you had no idea. No idea. Oh my gosh. Plastic surgery, bringing moms and daughters together. Totally. Because they can look so natural. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, So is there anything else you feel like readers, I always say readers and I mean listeners, (laughs) anything you feel like listeners should know about your experience or anything that was surprising to you about your first cosmetic procedure? Yeah, I'd say ask a lot of questions first because you can only do it once. I mean, like, there are options. If you really, like, if you get your lips done and you hate it, you can go back and have them, like, kind of worked on a little bit more. But ask questions first because you might not be able to ask them later. And understand that, like, you are beautiful and you look great as you are now. And this should only be something to, like, make you feel better and fun, not to, like fix any like serious underlying issues for sure the way you are and I actually feel like that's what's so fun to talk to you about it is you so clearly went into this not like I've always been insecure about my lips even though like you know totally understand if someone feels that way but just being like I want to try this yeah it sounds fun 
to me. I'm just, I like being a guinea pig. So <laughs> it was an adventure. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Ali, for being a Cosmo guinea pig. And as <laughs> always, for um, making time for the Cosmo podcast. Like, let's do this again next week, maybe? I love it. I'll see you then. Okay. Bye, Ali. Talk to you later. <laughs> bye, Lisa. Thank you. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. So while plastic surgery is obviously a very personal thing, something we don't necessarily think about when, say, I want to get my lips done is how plastic surgery might impact our relationships. Our next guest is a relationship expert and the star of Million Dollar Matchmaker, airing Friday nights at 10 p.m. on WETV. She's a third-generation matchmaker, founder of the company The Millionaire's Club, and has a lot to say about both plastic surgery and relationships. Please welcome love guru Patty Stanger. Hi, Patty. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Good. So we're talking about plastic surgery today, um, which has obviously become such an insane trend over these last few years. And I think it's interesting to get your perspective, because, of course, if a person gets plastic surgery, that not only affects you, but it affects who you're dating. Um, So first question, if you're in a relationship and or dating, you know, is it off limits to talk about plastic surgery or is that something it's okay to say to your partner to ask about? Um, I wouldn't exactly ask anybody, and most women are known for it, and men are just starting to get a little bit of a feel for it. Just even things like feed priest fat and Botox, but no, no, I don't think it's appropriate. It's just like, did you get your teeth fixed? Right. And, you know, most girls, when they were 16 and they had terrible noses, got a nose job, now they're getting implants. I don't think it's appropriate. I think if you look really good, you shouldn't ask, and eventually the men are going to have to catch up to the women anyway. So when you're an exclusive, maybe monogamous, long, long-term relationship, like maybe after marriage and the face and the neck starts to, you know, drop, you might want a lifestyle and you might want to tell your husband, let's go chew for the price of one. <laughs> Two for the price of one. Um, right. But- like, you know, that's the truth because why should I keep myself looking youthful if he's not? We're pretty much in the same age group and, you know, he can be fat and frumpy and old and gray and I got to look hot like I'm 25 for the rest of my life. What's in it for me, especially with women making more money? And even though not equal pay to equal dollar, but more women are in college, more women are killing it, entrepreneurs, things like that. You know, go Hillary. And the bottom line is, is that, you know, we're going to stay young forever and they're going to get away with this. That's that's just crap. We have to be sexually attracted, too. So you're not only saying, like, it's totally cool to get plastic surgery, but like men, let's get a little more. Well, I mean, I really think that there's a trend in the marketplace. My doctor, um, Dr. Stevens, I go for laser treatments every now and then. His big practice is really men. And he was the first one to do freeze the fat. And so what happens is, is that these men come in backdooring it, like I'm an athlete and I lost my six pack and I just want to freeze the pat. And that leads to, oh, my chin is drooping. Oh, you know, I need a brow lift. Oh, I need some Botox on the forehead. But they'll never, ever admit to it because these are some of the ruggedest men you've ever seen. These are not metrosexual men. And I see them. And I'm like, okay, and this might be California and it might be Florida, you know, very scantily clad state. 
Sure. Whereas maybe Colorado's not in on the game yet, okay? But um, it's coming up the path, and it's not just for the gay community because, you know, gay men loves the great. It's also for the straight rugged men, too. And I think I think that's really interesting to hear you say that men are getting in on this trend and not necessarily talking about it because I feel like no, even— No, never, you'll never see that in men's health. Like, oh, top 10 plastic surgeons. Like, sure. In, in, such a Cosmo thing, yeah. Right, such a Cosmo thing. But in some ways, I feel grateful for that because I think even 10 years ago, it wasn't as common for, say, female celebrities to admit that they had had procedures done. There was still a sense, I think, I mean, of sort of lying. If you don't admit it, you're crazy. When Jennifer Grey had her nose done, and we all saw she changed from 180 degrees from where she was before, and she looked fabulous, you know, she never worked again because, like, okay, you have to stay that nerdy, Jewish, obnoxious girl. I thought she looked beautiful. The same thing happened with Renee Zellweger, you know? And it's like, what, are you going to not notice that they didn't have a change in their face? Whether it's a liquid lift, whether it's plastic surgery. Like, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer must have had the best doctor in the world. <laughs> she is so preserved at her age. Like, she's the mothership. And I would say, don't get jealous. Get the doctor's name and share it with the group. <laughs> I know. I for sure want that doctor's name. But so I agree with you 100%. Like nowadays, have no shame about it. And I feel like that's been a change. Like you have so many celebrities mm-hmm. that are willing to say like, yeah, I got my lips done or I do this or here's the name of my doctor that I think I mean, it seems even Lisa, more dated. Lisa Reno, you know, coming from, you know, Bravo and Lisa Rena. Lisa Rena told me a story. Like, you know, she was known for her big lips, but she had big lips already. When Angelina Jolie came on the market, every girl wanted those lips. They were rushing to get silicone, and now they do other fillers. And, you know, she had a bad experience. She took it out, but she still got big lips. You know what I mean? It's like right. she was the first one to admit, like, yes, I deny, deny, deny. Kylie Jenner denied until we copped, until we said, okay, we want to do what you did, and then she made a lip line out of it. Right. She admitted it. And then now they're sharing Dr. Simon Orion. He's a great doctor. And Beverly Hills. Kim lives there every day. I see her every day. Chloe's there. You know, I don't know about... Um, Courtney. Courtney seems like the most natural, but they're all admitting this is my doctor. Lady Gaga's got pictures of him. Lisa Vanderpump does. It's like, why not admit it? Because you're going to get busted anyway. And if you look good, who the F cares? I think fuck. It's a podcast. Who the fuck cares, right? But <laughs> so that's really the truth. So, um, you know, that's what it's about. Why is it so wrong to say, I want to look better at my age and we're all going to get old? When you're 65 and your, your, your chin gets down to your ankles, what are you going to do? Just let it sit there and play with the waddle? Right. <laughs> oh, Patty, I always, yeah. love, I always love talking to you. So are you open to sharing what surgeries you've had? Sure, yeah. Um, I first started with breast reduction lift because I had really big, big boobs. I was a very thin girl, only you saw me larger on camera, and it drove me crazy because it was like I was going to milk a country. So I went to this first doctor, full name Nameless, who was very famous, and he did a terrible job, and he botched me. And I thought I was never going to get my real boobs back. And then I met this wonderful doctor in uh, Beverly Hills at UCLA, who's not on TV. He's not famous. His name is Dr. DeLeo. He changed my life forever. He, he made my boobs look like I'm 25. And they did grow a little bit larger. When you get over 50, you tend to like, get early menopause on, and your boobs will go up in a, a, a significant amount because that's just life. So... You know, I'm a double T, but I'm very highly lifted. I wish I were a C. And one of the problems with the the implants, okay, or better yet, reduction lift. Right. What I am, I'm I'm a real girl. Is that the men tend to go too big? They you say you want to see, and they want to make you a D. If you're doing reduction lift, you need to know that you will come back again because they will come back because your food intake, what you eat, goes into fat, which 
this is the particular area that a lot of women gain weight in. It's not necessarily the stomach, it's necessarily the boobs. So they will go up, so it's always good to go two sizes down, but they will never tell you that. And I do a lot of research on it, you know? Um, and do you think that's just, like men just sort of like always having, even the best doctors in the yeah, world they having... Want big, they want big ass tits no matter what the cost are. Right, you know? right. I mean, now you're seeing the, the butt implants and the butt injections, which is the hottest thing in the chain. I personally don't like it because I want to fit into my jeans and don't want to have really crazy jeans made for me. Right. But I was never going to wanted a big butt. Um, the other thing that I did was something that is just a camera thing that you have to understand when you're on television, you're in a 3D dimensional. It's a very strange world we live in. When HGTV came out, it changed our lives because it showed every nick and cranny and it was no longer a beautiful filtered light. If you didn't have every little spot built in, you looked like the exorcist. So basically what happened was one of my eyes was smaller than the other, which is common, but it's called toaster. And I go to Dr. Honing, who's the best doctor in Beverly Hills. She's an eye doctor and a plastic surgeon. He lives with my eye, and he made them even as much as he possibly can. And for someone in their late 40s at that time, that was a big, significant difference in my life because my eyes were always my calling card because I had blue eyes. So it was my big deal. Right. And I've had, I've had my teeth straightened, um, which, like, I'm sure everybody else has done because my parents were very anal about teeth. Right. But that's pretty much all I've had. I mean, I basically would love to go back and have another reduction and go down to a C, which is my dream state. But I lost 20 pounds recently. Right. And so my boobs do go down a size. Um, I got off sugar. I don't eat any sugar whatsoever. I use stevia instead. I got off sucralose and aspartame, and I don't eat bread and cake. And I went on paleo and the yeast cleanse. I measure. I, I kind of created my own diet. Oh my god, you are like really. Cleanse. You are really committing I'm, to I'm the really non-surgical ways to change your yeah. body. I, I mean, like I'm in my fifties, and my thyroid really went crazy. I out of the blue, I'm adopted. I don't know my health history. I don't know if my biological mother had this issue, but I got Hashimoto's late in life, and all of a sudden my thyroid flatlined. Um, I was always a girl that could gain weight fast, but lose weight in six weeks. And I could go from a size, you know, six to a size two in no matter of time. And I couldn't do it anymore. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And spinning always increased my appetite because I'm a spinner. Right. And so finally, I went on, I read the story about yeast and how um, my ears were itching. Did I have an overabundance of yeast in my body? And I took the yeast-free foods, combined that with the paleo diet because I do eat meat. And it shred in six weeks. I mean, on the carpet a couple of weeks ago, I was like, is that me? Like, I was like, you guys, did you alter the photo? And they're like, no, that's you. And then my, my assistants would take pictures of me and go, look at the difference because you really don't feel different. It's more like you have to see it with the naked eye. And I'm not filtering my pictures right now. Right. So, you know, this is who you get it. And then the other thing is like, I do lasers for my hair. Right. Um, I'm a big laser girl. Like right. I'm all about like non- you know, non-invasive procedures. Because if you don't have to go under, you shouldn't. Right. But I'm a big laser person who's always researching. I'm thinking about doing the cool laser in the fall. It's not really the time to do it in the summer because of the, the sun. And doing resurfacing on your skin and your hair to increase the follicle to make it thicker, especially as you age. Those are the kinds of things I like to do. I'm not a big fan of, like, let's cut this and let's take this and let's move it around. You right. know, you're not going to see me take out my rib or something, right. you know? <laughs> Which a lot of girls used to do, like, you know, Raquel Welch and Cher are known for that. So in those days, that's what they did. But as we get 
further down the road, plastic surgery and injections. You know, we're seeing that, you know, you don't have to go so extreme like the facelift, like Madonna got a 50, like 50 bell goes off, you get a facelift. You don't do that anymore. Right. And so the whole world has changed in that area. Yeah. Right. Do you, and I think, you know, your allusion to the minimal, minimally invasive procedures being almost, it sounds like fun for you to sort of play around with and these little tweaks that aren't too yeah. invasive and are kind of interesting. Is there, um, you know, I agree, those things have gotten so much better. It's not the drastic mm-hmm plastic surgery of even a few years mm-hmm. ago where you look like you're wearing some weird mask. But do you think, do you worry at all about becoming addicted to it or, you know, going too um, far? No, because I do, like, I've tried really strong doctors who I've seen on the carpet do major success with a lot of girls. Um, we won't mention their names, but <laughs> then I tried that doctor and gone, you know what, he went too far, he shouldn't have put an injection there. And I noticed I go back to my same traditionals. I'm a big fan of Sculptra. Yeah. And Sculptra is an inducer for collagen. So it takes three months for it to come out. So you usually do it like once a year and your cheeks pop, kind of like the old, um, uh, I was thinking of like Sex in the City, Candace Bushnell, you know, uh, uh, who else had that? Um, I'm trying to think of, Heretics of Parker is really known for like that apple cheek, mm-hmm. like, see the apple cheek. So in order to get the apple cheek, you need to really fill it in. And I'm one of the girls, when you lose weight in my body, you lose weight in my face. Right. And it kind of sucks. So, and then there's also the sculpting factor. You know, you want to lift uh, the neck and, and the jawline. And Dr. Patricia Wexler is an amazing doctor for that in New York City. She'll lift your jaw and lift your neck and take the wrinkles out. And it's, she just has a system. It's called the Nefertiti Left. Very few doctors know how to do it. They say they can do it, but they really can't. And you have to really do your research. You want to see a few patients who've gone through the procedure, like Celestine is the new one right now for um, cellulite. I tried it. It was okay. It wasn't revolutionary like they said it was, but it was like, you know, I was one of the first people they asked me as a guinea pig, and I'll get offers from doctors. Want to try this? Want to try that? And I've tried a lot of lasers for the fat. I didn't think they worked as well. I tried thermage and and thought that was crap. You know, so if it's something really good, like IPL or something like that, I'll promote it and go, hey, that's the shit, because you're going to spend $2,500. You want to know you're getting your money's worth. Right. Patty, I feel like you could be like your own Yelp for plastic, minimally invasive (laughs) plastic (laughs) surgery procedures. I would um, download that app. So when you're not busy talking to me about plastic surgery, you've got this new show on We. Tell us a little bit about it. When can we see it? What do people need to Um, know? It's a different kind of show, and I don't want people to think that, you know, we went off the grid and didn't make matchmakers, so to speak, because, you know, Bravo did a really good job over there. We think he's a different kind of animal. Um, Basically, we wanted to take the toughest cases of people, such as Barry Abraham last week, and this week's going to be Tony Tripoli. He is the executive producer of Fashion Police and was Joan Rivers' best friend, gay best friend, joke writer, extraordinaire. in his 40s, looking for love, tough love, but he's my friend. And mm-hmm. I had to fix up my friend. And in the old days, I'd fix up Jill Zarin's daughter, who's my goddaughter. And that was different because I'm still Aunt Patty. But in this case, Tony and I are very similar. We're similar energies. We know what we want. We don't really listen to anybody. And he was probably the toughest case I had, especially in the gay community. Justin wasn't as bad as him. And Justin had more plastic surgery than any person on earth. So Tony comes in. He's like, I want young, young, young. And I give him young. And of course, young blows up in his face. And then what happens is he transitions to people around his own age. And, you know, there's a big blowout. We have a major knockdown, you know, best friend kind of fight. Right. And what he did, I think, was wrong. But there's a twist in the end, which is really interesting. So we start out with an intervention, and we go all the way through to let's make a deal. Who is he going to check out with? And that's really where the show is. Do you like this person enough to check out with them to go on future dates and make future plans? 
So it's a little different than matchmaker. There's no mixer. Um, but I think the drama happens in the intervention because I basically make everybody cry. I'm going for the Barbara Walters <laughs> And so, no, I'm not kidding. Like, I do not think you're kidding. <laughs> Tony Tripoli, you know, gay strong man, is crying in my lap. And the reason is, is because we take every person's history of their love life. And we go back to the origin of when the pain started and why you created more pain from there. So we're really therapizing them, but at the same time giving them love in the whole episode. 42 minutes of, of fun, excitement, twists and turns. There's throw-outs this evening. My favorite episode is Ashley I. She is the star of The Bachelor. She was the crying virgin. I give her this amazing guy, and I worked my ass off on that episode. So that's coming soon. And then we end with Ohani, who's J-Lo Dax her first husband. We hear the whole story of J-Lo and how he's still not over her and how he still wishes she'd come back. Supposedly she came back three times during all the marriages. And we hear this amazing story about her. And then there's Robin Castor, an all-time favorite. We needed to give you a little matchmaker. <laughs> she comes back clumsy dumpty from New York City. And we show you some crazy crap that she's going through, which has to do with sex. And the penis. Penis, I'll give you a clue. Penis, banana, and sex with Robin. <laughs> So there's a lot of twists and turns. It's a different show. I hope people are open to change because it's you know it's hard when states get set in their ways. You know they don't want to try something on the menu. But right. TV has a great product. Uh, marriage Bootcamp leaves us in. So if you love Marriage Bootcamp and you're a celebrity horror like I am, who likes to see people's marriages fall <laughs> apart, stand by and wait for the next episode because that's us. It's ten o'clock on Fridays. Sometimes it's nine, depending on your satellite system, if you're DTV or the dish. Ten or nine. Yeah. Okay, so check your... It's like nine to ten. Like, just check your local listing, because everybody's cable operator is different. Yeah, just Google it. And you don't have a TV, you know, either find a television set, like in your grandmother's house, and watch it with her, or go to the AMC app, or <laughs> actually the WeTV app. They're both on. Got it. Well, thank you so much, Patty. You're hilarious. I'd watch everything you do. Okay. Please come thank back you. on the Thanks podcast sometime soon. you're my favorite. You're my favorite. Bye, Patty. Bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. So before we get to our next guest, our next and final guest, who is a real live plastic surgeon who I have one million questions for, including will you give me lip injections, obviously, I want to talk really quickly about Casper, a mattress brand that promises to give you the best possible deal on a premium mattress. So the whole idea of Casper is that they are cutting out the middleman rather than like the traditional way you shop that's so old school. Casper is selling mattresses directly through their website, Casper.com, and promising to give you the best possible price on something that's really premium. So if you have ever tried to buy a mattress, it is a pain in the butt. They can cost over $1,500, but Casper mattresses start at $500 for a twin size, up to $950 for a king. So it's a really great deal. Combining this springy latex and supportive memory foam for a sleep surface that's just the right sink and just the right bounce, which Cosmo Girls, I think you know how important that is. So <laughs> the other thing you Cosmo Girls will appreciate is that Casper will give you a 100-night home trials. So they will literally deliver a mattress to you for free, risk-free. If you don't love it, they will literally pick it up from your apartment and refund you everything. So you can try it out for 100 nights. You can sleep in it. You can do other more Cosmo-y things in it. And if you don't love it, you can take advantage of that free return. But I think you guys will love it. 
Time Magazine actually named Casper mattresses as one of the best inventions of 2015, so it is literally an award-winning mattress. So, free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. Try them for 100 nights, and everything is made in America. I hope that's important to you guys. It's really important to me. Go to casper.com Cosmo and use the promo code Cosmo to take advantage of a special $50 off deal that is just for you guys. You know I always hook you up with a promo code. So casper.com slash Cosmo. Try it out. Let me know what you think. So obviously we couldn't talk about plastic surgery all day long without talking to an actual plastic surgeon. Joining the podcast from Beverly Hills in the midst of seeing patients is Dr. Kat Begovic. She is a double board certified plastic surgeon and brings a women's perspective to plastic surgery. Hi, Dr. Kat. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. (laughs) Running around like an insane person, like usual, but otherwise great. Exactly. Well, I guess it's better to be a busy plastic surgeon than a non-busy plastic surgeon. That is true. I I consider myself extremely blessed. So (laughs) So, by all means, um, I'm just glad I could take some time out and talk to all of your listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. So first things first, what made you want to get into the plastic surgery field, which has become just insanely popular over these past few years? You know, I think that plastic surgery is one of the only medical fields where you can be, um, you know, it's it's very, very technical. Um, There's a lot of detailed surgeries, but at the same time, it's artistic. So from that standpoint, it's you can be creative, um, and I feel like an artist, you know, every day when I'm working on my patients. Now, what drove, what sort of led my path um, into plastic surgeries, I mean, I was a plastic surgery patient myself, so I've had That's lipo, very interesting. I've had my breasts done, yeah. and in the process of that whole experience, because I was very, very young, um, I just remember thinking, you know, no matter how confident you are, there's just something, you know, about like having a guy pinch your fat or, you know, try to evaluate your body where there's like a little bit of, you know, there's, there's a little bit of like um, a loss in communication, you know what I mean? Or comfort level. For sure. And I, and I think that, you know, as women, we happen to be our own worst critics. And not only that, but I think that we just see things different. You know, like women see every single little detail. Um, And I certainly see it on myself, and I, you know, see every little detail on my patient. And so I think that, um, you know, in addition to feeling that there was a huge need um, for female plastic surgeons, and it was something that I was very interested in, um, I just, you know, it, there's, uh, and I, I love what I do. I mean, I get to make women feel good about themselves. I have a lot of patients who are moms, you know, post-pregnancy, who sure. are trying to get their bodies back. A lot of people who have lost a lot of weight, and now they, you know, have, have skin excess skin. Or right. Um, and, and I feel like plastic surgery um, sometimes gets a bad gets a bad rap, you know what I mean? I think that right. um, some examples in the media, they, they, they portray it as just people, you know, being vain and having, you know, just like extra money to throw around for vanity. And it, it really is really not like that, you know? I mean, um, you know, I have women who come in and they're just, you know, feeling, you know, something about them that really is bothering them or troubling them. Um, maybe holding them back from having the confidence to pursue a job or feel more comfortable in their marriage after they have babies, or even like young young girls, you know, sure. who have something that's 
asymmetrical or something that's making them feel really insecure. Um, you know, just like anything that the, makes right. a woman feel more confident. Like, you know, you know, like we go and we buy nice clothes that make us feel good. Right. We get our makeup done. We get our hair done. I mean, that's all part and the same. And I think that every woman deserves to do things for themselves to, to make, make her them feel, feel good. good. Right. Um, I actually think what you said about vanity is such an interesting point because you're right that it is sort of oftentimes presented that way. And that is so sexist, actually. I'm thinking about this for the first time, but it's so unbelievably sexist the way that women are given these messages of needing to look young and perfect and beautiful all the time. Yet the second you actually want to do something about it or admit that you do something about it, it's like, oh, you're vain and narcissistic. And who would possibly do that? It's such a ridiculous sort of. It is. And actually just the whole, um, you know, that the nature of, like, the, the nature of the tone is actually completely different than what it is. I mean, my patients, you know, they don't come here and be like, oh, you know, I want to have bigger boobs than that girl, and I want to, sure. you know, look like 20 years younger so I can, you know, get attention. It's not like that at all. I mean, most of my patients are just, you know, normal, everyday, you know, moms, young people, um, who just want to feel better about themselves. Right. They want to feel more confident, and they're doing it for them. Right, right. Like they would, just like they would go to the gym and take care of themselves so they can get in their best possible shape to feel, um, you know, to feel energized and feel confident and feel good about themselves. And, and sure. And even though I think what you're saying is almost like the sort of earnest response of like wanting to feel like the best version of yourself. It's also like if you just want to get those lip injections to look hot like you do you girl. That's how I feel. Right. And, and I, I just I hate it. I'm like so defensive <laughs> right. for my patients because I feel like sometimes, you know, the general public judges plastic surgery for so sure. harshly. But at the same time, I mean, let's be honest, there's a lot of super cheesy narcissistic characters, right. you know, in plastic surgery that sort of give it a bad name. For sure. You know? For sure. Um, and that's part of the reason why I sort of present my life and what I do and and um, put it all out there, you know, on my social media. Um, right. Because I want people to understand how, you know, these things really help people as a whole. Sure. You know, I, it's not just about like saving someone's life, you know, right. but quality of life I think is equally important. And I think plastic surgery is one of the medical fields that addresses the person, you know, as a whole. Right. Um, and when women come into my office, you know, sometimes they'll say, oh, what do I need? And I'll tell them, you know, there's no such thing as need. It's just what's bothering you and what do you want to do to make yourself feel better? Right. You know? Um, and I think that um, I just feel super blessed to be able to share in my patients' lives and sort of take them through this journey where they really do have transformations that make such a big difference in their lives. Right. Literally life-changing. Um, I also love that you describe yourself as an artist because now that I think about that, it's like you do not want to go to the plastic surgeon who does not feel like an artist. That is not the chair you want to be in. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah, um, and, I, and I think that it's, you know, I think that for me because, you know, I am in the fitness industry and in the beauty industry and I you know, care about all the same things that my patients do, um, it really 
helps me um, have a really unique perspective. And I really get it. You know what I mean? Right. So, for sure. Um, all the layers of it and all the myriad ways that it affects a person. Yeah. And I think like all, and for me, I think that, you know, all the little details of the surgery matter, you know, from beginning to end, like even, you know, and, and the whole experience. But like I know for myself, I mean, you know, if like I look in the mirror and my eyebrows off by a millimeter, I'm like, oh my god, I gotta fix that. You right. know, <laughs> I remember when I got my, um, you know, my my own breast surgery. I think one day I was like looking in the mirror or something, and I was like, oh my goodness, I feel like I thought my nipple. I swear it was like it was off by you know a centimeter or something. But thank goodness it was just my tube top. Right. But, you know, maybe that you know half a centimeter or so. Some other plastic surgeon maybe who doesn't you know. I never went through that, may sure. not think it's a big deal, but as a woman, I think that I feel like every little detail matters, and I think that in my surgeries, I really approach every single person as if it was me or my mom or my best friend, and I know that they would care about all those little things, Right, too. right. They would be so detail-oriented, for sure. Um, and... You know, I actually, right before I jumped on the phone with you, I was on the phone with Patty Stanger from The Million Dollar Matchmaker, and she said something I would love to run by you, something controversial. She basically okay. said, uh, men, uh, men, doctors, even the best ones that are doing a boob job are always going to make them a little too big. And she um, just, you know, said this as like a total fact, well, <laughs> like every man. I mean, I, but I, I have traded implants, you know, too big, too small. Right. Um, you know, it's so funny because I always feel like, I feel like a lot of plastic surgeons, um, they, you know, they sort of feel like, you know, it, 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 sometimes, sometimes it's like all about them. You know right. what I mean? So it's like, oh, this is what I think is going to look good on you or just trust me. I know because I'm, I literally need my own breast revision and I've gone to like 10 consults. Oh my gosh. So I, I, I hear it from the patient's perspective. They're like, oh, I'll just have implants in there. I'll just pick what I think is best. I'm like, no, I don't want you to pick what's best. Let's have a conversation right. plan so I can know 100%. So for example, when I do my breast implant consultations, we literally, I mean, that is like the most critical thing. I have my patients try different sizes um, in a non-padded bra. I tell them we do, we do at least two sizing exercises. I have them feel it. If they want to bring their boyfriend, their friends, they come back. I've had patients come back like maybe four or five times, even if I'm not necessarily there with different outfits until they feel 100%. Because right. even if it's just the difference of 50 cc's or 100 cc's or something they may not ever see. Right. I think for women, we just want to know exactly. You know what I mean? Just for like sure, be mind, 100% sure. Going in with that number that you've committed to, you've taken that time to think about, right. and you feel 100%. I've never had to switch anyone's implant size out ever right. because I take the time in advance to communicate. To make sure they know. Exactly. And we, and we consider everything. You know, sometimes I have patients, they said, oh, well, you know, I've had like someone who's a professional golfer or they're a professional dancer, they're ballet, so they can't have something too big. Or someone who's, you know, a profession and they work with all men, so they want to be able to have flexibility to hide it at work. But then if they're out with their friends to wear a push-up bra and have it look bigger. So these are all the little like lifestyle, right. um, hobby, professional nuances when it comes to sizing that, like I said, that conversation and that communication, I think it's like sort of girl talk, you know what I right. mean? A hundred percent. Even we, just like the way you just described all of this, I'm like, I'm sorry, there is no man that is like thinking about all these things the way that you're only, thinking about that. And not only that, sometimes I, I know they say, oh, okay, so you want to be a 36C or a 36D? Right. Okay, first of all, I'm sorry, <laughs> but 
I mean, even as a woman, bra sizes are cryptic, and right. most of us are wearing the wrong bra, right, bra size exactly. anyways, because probably the bra companies, they just write the numbers there that they think are going to sell the most, you know, for bras. Sure. I mean, who wants to be like a 32H or something, you know what I mean, yeah. some weird number? Um, and I just don't, and, and, and like I said, I mean, I don't think anyone can ever assume they know what someone else wants, and so like trying them on and just taking that time to make someone just feel a hundred percent before surgery, right. I think is, is, is so critical Crucial, for sure. So and what is one thing you're seeing people ask for in 2016 that they weren't asking for a year ago or that has drastically increased? I, I, I think you're you going to say lips, but I don't know. What did you say? I said, I think you're going to say lips, but I don't know. Oh, lips? Yeah. You know what? I think that... Um, but why did I answer for you? You should ask. Okay, not lips. <laughs> um, you I tell think, me. No, I think a lot... People have always... People have always had lips. Yeah. Um, I think what I see when it comes to lips are people are telling me, don't, I don't, I don't want to have duck lips or I don't want to look fake because I'm right. telling you, a lot of people are doing a lot of really, really unattractive, overdone lips out right. there. Right, And I think that if it looks like you had something done it makes you look worse. Right. Um, and just that weird shelf where it flips and, oh, my God. I mean, like, you can see it a mile away. Like, yes. I don't, you know, that's not, I don't, I don't, I think that, so a lot of girls come in, they see those, you know, they see pictures of women like that that are overblown out or have a weird shelf that looks strange. Right. And, so, and they think that, oh, my God, that's what's going to happen, you know, right. they're afraid. And I tell them, listen, it's not supposed to be like that. I mean, maybe someone, you know, I just, it's like a technical thing or just uh, people just, you know, the people who are doing injectors are just overdoing it. Right. But I tell them it doesn't have to be that way. We do it together. So I do the, when I do the injections for the lips with my patients, we do it together. They hold a mirror. Um, and basically, we just put a, I put a little bit in at a time. We look at it. We look at the shape. I make little adjustments as we go. And, and I tell them, you know, whatever's there is there. You know, you don't have to be afraid. I'm not going to overfill it. Um, and sometimes I just, if they're really, really super scared, I tell them, okay, we'll just put some in, let it settle. You can always come back and do more. Right, you know right, what I mean? right. Always go bigger, for sure. So like I said, you know, these things take time. And a lot of times people, they just don't want to deal with it. So they just, you know, throw a whole bunch of product in there. And they're like, okay, those are your lips. You know, right. they're bigger. You know, right. that's what they care about. But like the nuances of the shape, the cupid bow, do you want it to look pillowy? Do you want to, you know what I mean? Right. Like those are the things that I think, you know, sort of like the finesse things right. that I think really matter. Right. Um, but no, I think that the, probably the two most popular trends are Brazilian butt lift, like fat transfer procedures right? and a lot, a lot of vaginal cosmetic surgery. Really? Um, and I don't know if it's just because I happen to specialize in that. Right. So I see a lot and I'm very vocal about it because I just think it's something that is like so life changing for women right. that they're so afraid to talk about or they just feel like there's no hope they just sort of like suffer you know right. for years with these issues and so um, are these women that are saying like i feel self-conscious about my vagina oh i mean it's so many reasons i mean right. okay, first of all you know mostly it's like the inner labia it, right. it, it protrudes a lot there's a lot of tissue um or there's asymmetry and so i mean just for comfort Literally, well, I mean, this is a little bit graphic, but I mean, most women say, you know, it's so hard to keep clean. Right. Toilet paper gets stuck when I'm wearing yoga pants or bikini. I feel like I have to kind of like tuck it in right. uh, because people can see it. They feel limited in their clothing. Sometimes they feel self-conscious with their partners. 
Um, and some of them just have like, you know, a lot of asymmetry. So like one shape, you know, one side is like a lot longer right, or sure. extra piece. And I'm telling you, it's not because, you know, everyone thinks, oh, it's, you know, what happens after you have kids or, oh, maybe you had too much sex or, oh, like all these complete misconceptions. Right. I will tell you that 40% of my patients are young. They're under, you know, they're like sort of in their 20s or right. going off to college. And they were just born that way. I mean, we're all born differently. For sure, for sure. And it's not a medical necessity or anything like that. Right. But for comfort and clean, cleanliness and just feeling better about not having to have so much tissue in that area. Right. Women feel so much better. And it's like the one surgery that they do for them. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. Like it, it's, and, and that's what, you know, makes it like, you know, it's one of my favorite surgeries, I'll be honest with you, because I know that probably for, you know, years sometimes they're just sitting there like thinking there's no hope for them. Or sometimes, you know, they'll ask their OB-GYN doctor about it. And right. some OB-GYN doctors are awesome. They're like, you know what? That bothers you. Go do something for yourself. You know, whatever you want to do that makes you feel better. But some OB-GYN doctors are very anti, you know, like they're so medical right. that they're like judgy, like, oh, no, no, that's normal. There's nothing, you know, right. why would you want to do that? Without even understanding the way that that exactly. is so tied to your emotional well-being and your sexual well-being. Yes, and, 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 I will, and, I, and it's important. I mean, you know, it's like anything that's intimate or right. intimacy as, as it is, it's already, you know, already self-conscious. So right. you feel like there's something that, you know, <laughs> is like sort of getting in your way or uncomfortable. It just makes it, you know much worse but I'll tell you I even had like I remember I had this one patient who I loved um, so much like I'm just so close to her and she had gone through so much like she had had you know um, a, like cervical cancer mm -hmm. she had to have a hysterectomy and she had radiation she had gone through a whole bunch of medical issues and then you know that part bothered her obviously aesthetically right and she broached it to her OB-GYN doctor and they told her that she needed to see a psychiatrist no and, you know, and then she said, you know what, I know that there's nothing wrong with me. And so she researched and she found me. Right. And she said, you know what, after everything I've been through with this whole area, I just wanted to do something for myself that wasn't medical or wasn't cancer. Right. You know? Right. And just to feel better and more confident. And I want to be able to wear a bathing suit or a bikini and not feel like, okay, in addition to everything that I've had going on in that area and my scars that I could have something that made me feel feminine and um, beautiful and confident. You know what I mean? Right. So, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that, and that's why I think it's, you know, that's why we wanted to talk about this today in the podcast. And I think it's so important. You know, there is still this stigma around plastic surgery. And even though it's becoming more common, the fact that, you know, a doctor would tell someone who, you know, felt deeply self-conscious about their body or felt deeply problematic about it that they should just go to a psychologist instead of even considering the idea that there could be a procedure that would help them feel more like themselves feel right. sad and to like me. I, said, I mean that's what that's how I feel about you know plastic surgery in general that if it's you know something that makes a woman feel more confident and feel better about themselves then you know they should they they should do that for themselves. You know what I mean? It's not for everyone. Sure. Do you and, and, do you ever turn patients away? Um, I do, and actually, maybe I mean a reasonable amount of time. I mean, probably maybe like up to ten percent of the time, mm. if not more. Um, and it's it's usually for a variety of reasons. So you know, the number one reason is you know my job as a doctor 
is basically to always help guide a patient for the best, you know, decision for themselves. Because sometimes people in their mind, they think they want something. Sure. But with any surgery, it's always, you always have to weigh the risks and the benefits with, you know, the risks with the benefits. Right. So, for example, you know, if I have someone who comes in and they want liposuction or something, like I this, I'm just trying to think of examples that sure. people can turn away this week. Yeah. Um, but if, if someone's going to have a surgery, you want it to be something where they're going to benefit from it, where it's going to make a significant amount of difference that it outweighs any potential risk of just going through the whole process of surgery. Um, and it'll be something that gives them a result that's ha- that they'll be happy with. Sure. So, you know, like I think just last week someone came in and it was a woman, I mean, she was, she was extremely thin, you know, very, very thin and minimal amount of, you know, fat. And I told her, I said, so if you weigh the pluses and minuses of getting lipo, mm-hmm. you know, with any surgery, there's always a possibility you know, that you could form scar tissue and you'll still have to have tiny little incisions for the minor amount of difference you're going to have. I just don't feel like it's worth, you know, doing a surgery, you know, the the time, energy, money, recovery. Right. And, and I said, if, and I said, you have very, very little fat and you have to always leave a little bit of fat behind. You can't strip everything out. Otherwise you're going to get botched. Right. Um, And I said, you know, do not let anyone operate on you because you will be sad. Either one, you're not going to feel like it made enough of a difference, right. or two, they're going to take so much fat that it's going to create irregularities that you're going to see you're going to look worse. Right, you right. Know? That's 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 so interesting. Um, and I, I know you have to jump off in just a second here, but the one other thing I wanted to ask you, relevant to my own life, but also to sure. our readers' lives, you know, I think there's been... Um, such a conversation around, I'm thinking about Botox specifically, but sort of this idea of preventative plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. And does it make sense for a woman in her 20s that doesn't necessarily really have any wrinkles yet to start thinking about this? And I know it differs by patient and a million other factors, but what is your feeling on preventative plastic surgery? And- yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, like I said, everyone's different. Everyone's anatomy is different. Mm-hmm. But there are some things that are used preventatively. It's like, for example, Botox. I mean, I have been using Botox since I was 26, right, um, and consistently so. Actually, I just did it on myself on my Snapchat. Oh my god! <laughs> I had like two seconds earlier, um, <laughs> and I do laser resurfacing things that build collagen. And what I tell people, especially when it comes to Botox, it, first of all, it's not just you know uh, there there are there is scientific data. So there have been twin studies where there were sets of twins. Um, and one of them consistently did Botox, you know, two or three times a year, and they followed them over 20 years. And at the end of the 20 years, there was like a significant difference in the number of wrinkles, fine lines, and overall aging. And right. actually, when I read that paper, that's what prompted me to start doing Botox. Right. You know? And I tell my patients, it's sort of like, it's like a piece of paper, right? So if you keep folding, 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 you're going to make a deep crease. And sometimes people show up after not maintenancing themselves, you know, for years, you know, right. they come in, it's like 50, 60, and they're like, okay, now I'm ready for Botox, and I want it to erase all my wrinkles. Well, it's already so deeply etched in the skin right. that really, you know, they're no, no longer a candidate. And I've even done, like, you know, more aggressive procedures because they actually needed surgery where I've done, like, a brow lift or a facelift. But still, it's like the wrinkles are so deep, I'm just pulling the wrinkles back. You know, right. it helps it a little bit, but, it, but it's, already, it's already etched in the skin. Um, oh, my God. So, the phrase etched in the skin is going to haunt my nightmares. <laughs> like, I need to book a flight to L.A. right now, or to Beverly Hills, L.A. area right yeah. now. <laughs> Help know, me. So for, so, for example, and, and I think like like anything else, 
you know, Botox, it should look natural, not overdone, where it's like super frozen. Right. You know, like because people get afraid because they see people who are completely frozen or overdone. You know, Botox is still a technical art. Everyone's anatomy is different. Some people need a little bit of a lift in the eyebrows. Some people want their eyebrows straight. Some people want more movement. So, like I said, you know, you it's it because it's so prevalent and literally people can you know go hear it, especially in Beverly Hills. There's like you know all these many spots. Everyone's sure. doing Botox. You sure. know, even like. You know, gosh, gosh, like ER doctors, anesthesia, anyone's, everyone and anyone's doing Botox. Right. Um, there still is an art to it. There's still a finesse. And ultimately, you do have to understand the underlying anatomy. You know, you can't just, like, look at a pattern book and do the same thing on everyone. Right. If you want it to be, if you want it to really be amazing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So um, you, I am drinking the Kool-Aid. You have convinced me <laughs> everything you're saying is, but I think it was so great to have you on this podcast to really talk about these issues from a woman's point of view. And I think for anyone considering doing plastic surgery, who's listening to this right now, I think you have made a very convincing argument, not only for them to come see you if they're in the Beverly Hills area, but also just to consider a women doctor in general. Well, you know, like I said, I mean, it's. It, I will tell you, though, it's a very long, hard road being a female plastic surgeon in a man's world. For sure. Um, I mean, I think like less than 10% of female plastic surgeons, uh, of board-certified plastic surgeons are women. Which is insane um, when you think about the breakdown of pa- the people who get plastic surgery, which I'm sure is predominantly women. Right. No, definitely. Well, um, you were, you're doing God's work. <laughs> Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> no, wow. it's been so it's been so <laughs> great to talk to more. you. Yes, please, anytime. Least, yeah, clear my schedule. Let's just sit and <laughs> exactly. chat for the rest of the afternoon. No more patients. Exactly. No, um, no but I, I feel blessed. And like I said, I'm super, super passionate about what I do. Um, and I think that also just, you know, sort of like that love and that passion I have. Yeah. I think it really helps me with, you know, just the way that I that I care for my patients. And well, it absolutely comes through in talking to you. And where sh- where is the best place for people to follow you? Um, you know, you can go to my website, which is Beauty by Dr. Cat. But um, I do film pretty much my everyday life and actually most of my surgeries on my Snapchat. So if people are really interested in plastic surgery and seeing the nuances, um, my Snapchat is Beauty by Dr. Cat, and I film a lot of live surgeries. Um, and then literally I literally following you right yeah. now on my phone. <laughs> it's really super interesting, and I'm, I do a lot of education because I think part of it is showing people, you know, how it's not scary, how you know I explain like the technical details, and I think it relieves a lot of anxiety for patients, you know, who maybe are considering it and they just think it's like this horrible, scary thing with sure. everywhere. Like my surgeries are so clean, and there's really no bleeding, and it's gentle. Right, I think it makes people say, oh, okay, I see. It's not It's not what I thought. It's not bad. Right. It's um, not the extreme way Yeah, And I think seems. that when people understand things better, then they have less fear. Sure. Um, and then I also post a lot of, like, fun, informational, educational, inspirational videos about all, all aspects of beauty on my Instagram page, which is also Beauty by Dr. Kat. Amazing. So. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kat. It was so great to talk to you, and I do hope we can have you on again. Yes. You're so welcome. Have a great afternoon, You everyone. too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I don't know about you guys, but through the course of this episode, I've developed about 
15 different surgeries that I've decided I need to get um, starting today. So <laughs> let me know what plastic surgery you want to get next. I'm just kidding. That was not the point of this episode. That was not the takeaway. You guys don't think that, right? Okay, you don't. You don't. But thank you all so much for listening. And I want to give a shout out to Priyanka, one of our listeners, who I always say at the end of every episode, if you guys have ideas, tweet at me, email me, let me know what you want to talk about. And she actually did this week. So Priyanka, I'm sorry I did not respond to your email yet, but I'm shouting you out on the podcast, which is even better. And as always, if you guys listen to Cosmopolitan.com Happy Hour, please share it. Please rate it. Leave a review that says something besides my voice sounds annoying, which I think is one of the reviews that's on there now. Um, And thank you guys all so much for listening. I'm Elisa Benson. Follow me everywhere at Elisa Benson. And I'll see you next week. Bye. to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.